This is Eric Nevlin, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus podcast. Well, it wasn't quite the return from the international break that we'd hoped for. One red card, four goals conceded and one very, very long afternoon. Mitro went off injured, Polinia was suspended and it was just a below par Fulham performance. Joining me are Sam and Don to do their best in talking about Saturday's game and look ahead to West Ham away this Sunday. As the Looney Tunes say... No, 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 that's all, folks. Okay, guys, the game, it was a tough watch on on Saturday. It fell over before it started. Chalabur with a red card just six minutes in. A VAR check and there was probably no argument. Uh, Sam, stupid, stupid challenge, wasn't it? Well, yes. <laughs> um it was an incredibly dark tackle to make. It was late. It was careless. It caught Longstaff on the ankle. Um, but on a on a human level, I do feel some sympathy for Chalabar. Um, he would have been like us, stewing on this game for two weeks, uh, knowing he was going to come in to replace Paulinha. And I feel that perhaps he was a victim of the fast start that Marco Silva has encouraged this season. Bernd Leno has spoken about it in the build-up to the uh, to the Newcastle game and how we had tried to take matches to teams this season, notably Liverpool in the opening day and, and Brentford when we scored in the first minute. And I feel Chalobah probably just got ahead of himself and wanted to make an impression. He knows he's not going to get too many opportunities to do that this season. And he's just been late. And also, I feel he may be slightly unfortunate because the yellow card came out straight away. And obviously, if we didn't have VAR, that was what the decision would have been. And to be honest, I feel like if we had had any other official on VAR duty that day, the yellow card may have stood. But I think having Mike Dean, who we know, even though he's retired from from refereeing, he still wants to make a name for himself. He still wants to make headlines and make it about him. And he was very quick to advise the the less experienced official to to go and change that decision. I feel others in the circumstances may have let the yellow card stand that early on in the game. Yeah, and as you say, Mike Dean, given the red card, he did love a red card back in his day of refereeing. Uh, the problem is with Chalibur is after a performance like Crawley, he needed to go into this game and you know really give something and he's not covered himself in glory at all, has he? Uh, Don... How important was this game for Chalobah to show that he was capable of doing it in the Premier League? I mean, this is his one chance. He, 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 you know, he hasn't seen a lot of action. I don't know where he stands with Marco Brawl. You know, obviously he's he's not being selected because we've got currently better options. Um, I, I agree with Sam on a couple of different things there. One, it was a yellow in the beginning according to the ref, but you go and look at VAR and VAR slows everything so down, you know, I mean, it, it just makes it go to a creeping uh, halt basically to where you can see every little thing. So once it was very evident that I think 
cleats were off the ground through the ankle you're done you're, you're gonna get a red and the same thing was given in the spurs match if you saw uh i forget the minute 60th minute or something like that i forget the player but it's pretty much the exact same type of tackle, and the red was given for that. So I, I don't think we can argue about the red. As far as the, the, the player, you're given these chances. You got to take them, and you got to play smart. But again, to what Sam said, we want a quick start. We want to play fast. We want to take the match to him. I think all that was in his head, and he just literally he took the match to him and went right through the guy. So it is what it is. We just had to move on. I think as well, one thing to point out is that if you're going to look at it in terms of a like-for-like replacement, definitely not in terms of ability, but in terms of physicality, Chalaba was probably the right option. And I think most of us could have guessed that Chalaba would start and I was more than willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And obviously at five past three, that went straight out the window. Um, Sam, does this show how reliant on Polina we are or did it? Did we just get the selection wrong? I mean, hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah, and I saw a lot of people on social media afterwards say, oh, they would never have picked Chalabar. But I think you're right. In terms of playing that role uh, in the circumstances, it was the the right thing to do. Um, We knew we were reliant on Paulinho, mainly because clubs of our stature don't normally have a player that good. So whenever he was missing, we knew it was going to come. We were, we were count, counting down those yellow cards until until the suspension kicked in and we knew it was going to be a big miss. Uh, unfortunately, the person we had filling in made a tackle within four minutes because let's, let's not kill ourselves. It took another three minutes for the decision to actually be made by VAR. The tackle was inside four minutes and, uh, and we've lost the player. But Marco Silva clearly likes Chalabar. He had him at Watford. I was looking earlier today. He started the first five games for Silva in the Premier League in 2017-18 until a knee surgery really um, sort of curtailed his season. But like many others who have worked with him throughout his career, Marco clearly feels there's a, a top-level player in there. But yet I see so many Fulham players, sorry, I see so many Fulham fans saying that he's clearly not equipped for this level. And okay, perhaps post-injury and from what we, the little we've seen of him in the last year or so, that is the case. But he should still be an option that's able to come in and fill in for an afternoon without losing his, his head in the first few minutes of a game. You, you, you know, you say he should be a player at this level. And I'm not completely disagreeing with you, but I would point out he used to be a part of the England system, you know, and, and he's been dropped from there too, and he's never been picked back up as an option. So I do think there must be something that several coaches are seeing that are saying, you know what, he's just not what we need, or or he's definitely not a first-team selection. And that's one way to so, look at it, but then on the flip side, you can say, well, this is a player who has – has represented England. We don't have too many players coming to Fulham who have England caps to their name. I think the last one before him was Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And oh, actually, I see your point. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So on that, don't you think then the window, I, I, I don't want to skip ahead, I'm sorry or anything, but we kind of do need to have a better backup. Yeah, I think that was the general consensus, wasn't it? Um, 
after deadline day was that we were potentially short in centre midfield, but it is what it is. And, you know, we did get a lot of signings over the line. But as Sam said, Chalaba has worked with Silver before at Watford. So he obviously saw something in him to bring him into the team. But lo and behold, Chalaba, you know, it changed the game really. And we got a right good kick in. And talking of kicking in, Newcastle managed to do that with the ball a lot on Saturday. So we're not going to deep dive into all of the goals, but I do want to talk about Newcastle's second and Almiron's first goal. Don, what a goal. Uh, You've got to take your hat off and just applaud it, really. Okay, so Almiron is one player I actually got to see a lot of when he was here in Atlanta in in the States. And he was always a player in, for us here. Very exciting, very fast, had great speed, set up a lot of goals, a lot of goals. So I was not surprised he went to the Premier League. I was disappointed that we didn't actually pick him up. I think he could have been a great player for us. That goal actually was outstanding. I mean, the, to be able to bring it down first touch, finish with your left foot, I thought it was Perfect. I mean, you just can't get a goal better than that if, if you're a player. So I give him kudos for the goal. Hats off to him. It's a shame it was against us, though, you know. Yeah, as a neutral, you admire it. As a opposition fan, you just sit back and go, oh, for God's sake. But yeah, what a goal. Uh, it was a very good goal, but but Newcastle fans do have a tendency to to <laughs> make very good goals sound like the best goals ever scored. Uh, I'm, I'm still having that Lauren Robert overhead kick against us shoved down on my throat years on. And <laughs> then I recall that uh, Hatton Ben Arthur goal as well when he ran from the halfway line, beating precisely no one. Oh, no, that was well. a great goal. No, I'm, no not having the, I'm not having Ben Arthur slander. He was... He's a cult hero in the Premier League. I am not accepting any slander on Hatton. The other thing to note about Almiron, though, is uh, those were his first goals away from St. James's Park for over two years. Uh, And despite, obviously, we had 10 men, but we did make it very easy for him all afternoon. Yeah, exactly. You know, we lost fight, didn't we? I think it's fair to say. Um, Sam, I'll actually come back to you on that. We looked like we gave up, especially when the third goal went in as well. It just looked like no one wanted to close the ball down. You know, were you seeing that as well? Yeah, I think we gave up after the red card. I, I, I thought it was, yes, such an early blow. And all of us suddenly thought at that point, okay, this is, we're in for a, a difficult afternoon. But the way we just allowed Newcastle to completely control the game was was really disappointing. And it dawned on me the next day when I was watching uh, Leeds Aston Villa uh, and Sinistera got sent off, obviously later in the game, but opening minutes of the second half. But yet, you couldn't really tell that they were down to 10 men. It was a very even matchup right until the end and, and Leeds could have won it. And I just felt we didn't really show any of that kind of dogged spirit about us. We just let them have the ball, let them do what they want. And, and yeah, they just picked us apart time and time again. And you know like we just watched. We, we just walked around and watched them. We really didn't. Do you know what? You say that as well. So I was there quite early on Saturday and I was watching the players warm up and usually you've got the centre midfielders in the back four. They're doing like a passing drill between all of them. No one could get the ball to one another's feet. The players having like doing shooting practice couldn't hit the target. I should have known then that it wasn't going to be our day um, and everything seemed to go wrong and that includes the main man, the star man, Mitrovic going off injured 
Um, sounded like it was his ankle that he injured away with Serbia, but he's replaced by Carlos Vinicius, who I quite like, and I thought he made himself a little bit of a nuisance uh, on Saturday. Don, what are your thoughts on Vinicius? Um, obviously, he didn't really get a sniff at goal, but I mean, I quite like him. I, I personally, I felt bad for him, and I felt bad for James. And what I mean is, here's a chance for both of them to kind of maybe show what they could do, but it's hard to do when you're down to 10 men. You're not in your normal attacking, transitioning formation. You know, you're, you're more, how do we defend or how do we get the ball back to the other half so that we can take a breather, relax, reset, regroup type thing. So, you know, it's completely different tactics, completely different style of game to be played when you're down by 10 men. So hopefully a lot of fans don't take it to heart that, oh, you know, he wasn't all that good or he didn't have any real chances or, or did anything to impress us. And so we shouldn't see him again. I think he deserves a good chance, you know, with 11 people on the, on the pitch. And the same goes for James. I really think they both deserve to show us what, what is possible out of them with a full 10 men and a good amount of time left on the clock. One thing I want to note as well is that, um, you know, we were down to 10 men and let's be, I, I personally couldn't sit here and go, they were rubbish or they played rubbish or they weren't very good because everyone was crap, to be honest. So I'm not going to judge any individual player on the performance after the red card because, you know, the only player we should really be having a go at is Chalaba for that naive and stupid tackle. Um, you know, Kazawa went off injured. Kevin and Babu got taken off as well for a tactical change. Sam, in my opinion, it was probably too little too late to go three at the back there with Diop coming on. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're probably right. But kudos to Marco for at least trying to set us up in a different way to at least try and attack in the second half with the personnel that we had left on the pitch. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was very interesting what you said actually about watching the players warming up. But, and it just seemed apparent that it, it was going to be one of those days. And and they do happen. Um, and I, I feel like this is just a result that we shouldn't dwell on too much. Uh, as as Don says, I felt sorry for James, felt sorry for Vinicius, and I felt sorry for the two fullbacks. And I saw they came in for quite a bit of stick afterwards as well. I just don't feel it's a game you can judge players on. You know, on the fullbacks thing, everybody, you know, on social media went instantly to what kind of selection is this? Why did he pick these guys for the fullbacks? But if you're given the team that you've got right now, those two, if they're fit the left and the right uh, fullbacks, you got to pick them. You, you, you're not going to pick up. It's not, oh, yep. Yeah, he's a fullback, but I'm going to try something different. You're going to try and stick with your own formation that you're used to, and you're going to fill in the players to make that happen. So I, I felt like they both kind of got the raw end of the deal in, in the whole thing. I think the thing is what we've got to look at as well is that Kazawa's not match fit. He's not played for ages as well. So it was always going to be tricky to throw him in. And I, I was quite so I thought, there could have been another another round of Tim Ream at left back after uh you know, he played quite well at Forest and Diop. I thought Diop was very unlucky to be dropped on Saturday. Um, but that was probably quite frustrating for him. It was a frustrating afternoon all round. And the most frustrated player at one point was Tom Kearney, because that is the the strangest reaction I've ever seen to someone's frustration. Just pulling your shorts down by your ankles. Don, what happened? I, I don't remember that. I think I might have left. 
I just see it on social media. He's Honestly, got his I, I don't recall. I did not recall seeing that. Uh, so I can't speak to the situation. It wasn't until several minutes afterwards, somebody sent me a, a little clip saying, what the hell is he doing? Uh, I mean, they, he didn't just pull him down a little bit. They were like down to his ankles, <laughs> like he was ready for business or something. So. Which is always a worry because he's clearly the most fertile man in Southwest London. Anyway, every time his shorts come down, his partner seems to get pregnant again. Uh, I think maybe he's just he's intent on becoming a, some kind of TikTok star for after his playing days. He's just <laughs> intent this season. He's not getting many minutes, so he's just going for viral clips like the corner at Crawley. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that is true, actually. He's had a few this season, can he? Um, anyway, it wasn't all doom and gloom in the second half. We did get a goal back. Uh, Bobby Reid with a good header. Cabano with a great cross. But obviously, by that point, too little, too late. Uh, Sam, it was a good header, wasn't it? And a great cross by Cabano as well. I think he's having a decent season when he's played, don't you think? Yeah, he is. And in my head, at least, he's still a a contender for the Ballon d'Or. So we'll have to see how that one pans out. But I'm just really pleased for him that he he is getting a chance in the Premier League because our two previous promotions, he seems to be one of those players who has been sidelined and obviously shipped out to Middlesbrough the last time we were up. So it's great to see him involved. And I think up against any player on his day, he will give them trouble. Um, And it was, yeah, it was a lovely cross for Bobby to head in. He's kind of like Metro right now. You know, everybody, one of those players that people thought, well, at this level, this level, he's not going to do it. And I think he's done very well and extremely well showing, yes, I can, you know, don't, don't forget about me. I'm here and I can do the job. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's proven his worth and it's great to see him in the squad. Obviously, he's one of six wingers that we have, but lots of injury issues are giving him a chance, which is fantastic to see. Um, Okay, we're not going to choose a man of the match for the Newcastle game for obvious reasons. So I want to come on to something to do with Saturday. Something I found quite special was that Kevin McDonald was back at Craven Cottage. Don... It was great for him to be back, wasn't it? He didn't get a proper goodbye because of a certain Scott Parker. So how good was it that Kevin McDonald made the trip back to Craven Cottage? I think it's awesome. Uh, I mean, he's definitely a cult hero when it comes to Fulham. I, 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 I don't think you know he would ever receive anything but an outstanding reception for showing up, whether he was just showing up for a match and sitting at, you know, up, up in the, uh, the stands somewhere, or, you know, somebody saw him out on town, you know, they, and recognized him. He's up there, you know, with several of the guys that helped win us our, our promotions and everything. Um, you know, the only thing sad I, I thought was it would have been great to hear him sing his own chant. Don't you think uh, during the, uh, interview you could hear it from the back of the hammy end to be fair it was great <laughs> you wouldn't have heard it heard him if he was singing it because those microphones that they use are so bad oh yeah they, they need to get you involved in <laughs> okay yeah. <laughs> um, I, I will gladly take a job for uh, very little money i'm um, on kevin mcdonald as i said great to see him back i've met him twice actually in two different pubs near where i live um did he ask to you know, for a jaeger no, he didn't actually, but um, but he is a really, really nice guy, um, which makes it even sadder of how he was treated at the end of his Fulham career. Sam, on Kevin McDonald, just how good was he for Fulham over the years? I mean, 2017-18, he, 
him in that midfield three was just fantastic. Yeah, he was. And I think in decades to come, Fulham fans will look back on on that midfield of McDonald, Kenny and Johansson as, as something that was just, it was so special and it was so likeable. And just the different qualities that they each brought to like that sort of pivotal three in the middle, it, it was it was beautiful to watch. I think it was probably part of one of my favourite Fulham teams. Uh, but but Kev, Kevin was great because he was a player who maybe came in without much fanfare. Um, maybe fans hadn't really seen too much of him before. He was a fairly unspectacular player, uh, but he just did absolutely everything that we needed. And I, I didn't really know who he was before he came to Fulham. Yeah. Um, I went out with a girl in my younger days who was his cousin, and I, I kind of regret that relationship ending now because maybe we could be related somehow. Um, Clout chasing, exactly. Sam. Um, but yeah, he 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 will go down as a cult hero of Craven Cottage for a, a long, long time. You know, uh, just, you, you you talk about how he was treated at the end with Parker and everything. I will say. I think it's really, really nice of Fulham right now to bring him back in the fold. It sounded like, you know, one of the other reasons he came back was he'd gotten a knock and a little injury. And so they actually did some rehab for him uh, before he went back into training with the U23. So to be welcomed back, say, oh, yeah, you know, hey, we'll help you out. You know, come train with us. You're trying to get fit. Uh, You want to work on your coaching badges. We're here to help you. I do think that's showing a lot of respect from the club, and I think that's a really nice touch. Oh, absolutely! And there was talk in that in his last season as a player for the club that he was helping coach the under twenty threes or one of the academy teams, anyway. And he does certainly have the hallmarks of a football manager, and I think one day he will go on to be a fantastic football manager, in my opinion. Absolutely. But for now, I've had enough of former centre midfielders being Fulham manager. Let's give it a while until <laughs> until that happens. Well, wait till we right. make the Europa League. Yeah, exactly. Or Champions League. Who knows? Or I'm Champions League. Sorry. Yeah, I'm still on Mark Fulham anyway. Yeah, exactly. Gutted. Um, right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, obviously, we're now in October, which you know we're getting closer to the World Cup, which is exciting, I suppose. Uh, or not after England's recent performances. But anyway, uh, that means it's goal of the month for September and Fulham uploaded theirs today. There's some real corkers on there. And obviously from the first team, we've had Mitro against Spurs, Joao Polina against Forrest and Harrison Reed against Forrest. And then Cullen McFarlane for the under-21s and also Matt Dibley-Diaz as well. Um, Don, I'm going to come to you because we were talking about this off-air and you really liked Dibley-Diaz's goal. Would that be the one that wins it for you? Uh, here's here's the thing for me. The the, the last three, okay, uh, Polina, Reed, and, and Diaz, all three of them are very special in my mind for three different reasons. You know, uh, Polino, because he runs into the, 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 the fans, the crowds, and is celebrating, even though it was stupid, he got a yellow card. It was a great finish. Reed, for just getting his first goal. And the fact that, you know, he had to hit that first time in order to score that. So he did very well, timed it great. I do like the Diaz just because it's, it's, it's like a Joe Bryan-esque kind of thing. You know, he catches the goalie out. He's 
so far back, you know, on the pitch. He's just basically across the, the halfway line, and it's a beautiful goal going to the top left-hand side. So for that reason only, I, I do like it, and I hope to see a lot more from him because he does look like a player that, who knows, could maybe move on up to the first team at some point. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? It would be good to see some youth progression. Uh, Sam, what do you reckon? Is there a, is it one of the Academy boys that takes this award for you or would you give it to a, one of the first team nominations? Well, it's lovely to see the youngsters involved in that and, and they were a, a couple of really special goals. But I, yeah, I can't really look beyond the goals scored by the first team players, um, especially seeing as I spent a good half an hour uh, during match of the day two last night, voting for Paulinha's goal for goal of <laughs> different different devices around the house <laughs> until I was locked out of the BBC website. Um, but I actually wouldn't pick that goal. I would pick Harrison Reeves' goal just because just because of the forty seconds of bedlam that followed. Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm too old for limbs, as they could say. Uh, but. It was just such a special moment and just a goal that we've been waiting to be scored for so long. And the fact that it capped off those few minutes uh, of us coming back from behind. And also, it's just a really, really well-worked goal and a a great finish. So, Harrison Reed. Yeah, I must admit, for me, it's a toss-up between uh, Joao and Harrison Reed, just because, I mean, the scenes in the away end were crazy for both of them anyway. I mean, that was my favourite away day by a mile uh, this season and yeah Harrison Reed the whole away end just went absolutely mental so I feel like I'd have to give it to him as well um right we're just going to take a short break and then coming up after that we're going to discuss West Ham away at the London Stadium Fulham Okay, and welcome back. Next up for Fulham is a trip to the London Stadium on Sunday. Uh, Not a very good record there. Last time we were there, Adam Ola-Lukman took the worst penalty in Premier League history. But let's not talk about that. Um, West Ham are playing in the Europa Conference League on Thursday, hence why the game is on Sunday, 2 o'clock kickoff as well. Uh, Sam, is this a perfect chance to bounce back? Well, given our record at West Ham and our record against David Moyes teams and our record when facing Mikel Antonio, I would say no. But as you say, they play Thursday and it looks like they've been taking the Europa Conference pretty seriously so far in terms of the teams that they've put out. They go to Anderlecht, which is probably the toughest game for them in the group. So it's a very short recovery time, Thursday to Sunday. So we have to take advantage of that. And bearing in mind that we didn't take advantage of the fact that Newcastle had key players out, it would be a real shame not to do so here in terms of West Ham's schedule. Yeah, and Don, West Ham haven't had a brilliant start to the year. Obviously, they beat Wolves on Saturday, but Wolves themselves haven't been very good. Um, what have you made of West Ham so far? And then I suppose the second part to that question is, what do you make of our chances on Sunday? I mean, they haven't had a great start. They've only won two matches. Um, they've only scored... Two goals, I believe. And if I'm not wrong, let me look at my paper, my cheat sheet here. I think they've conceded nine. Yeah, nine goals so far. So as far as our chances go, I could definitely see us getting some goals on this this match. You know, they're obviously leaking. So uh, hopefully, you know, everything goes our way. This is our chance. You know, yep, we forgot the last game. We're moving on. We're getting back into the groove and 
getting more points on the board before we go into this World Cup. So I, I really think we could be walking away with all three. I don't see why we couldn't. I really don't. Even given with our injuries and blah, 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 I still think we've got a decent enough squad that we should be competing with against West Ham and winning. Yeah, I mean, we do look very strong this year and we've had some good results. And let's not forget, we are only three points off fourth place. But we're only five points ahead of 18th as well. So I'm not going to be totally doom and gloom about it. But, um, you know, there is it's very close pack this year. And West Ham only four points behind us, so they could get very close with a win on Sunday. Uh, I mean, Polina is back on Sunday, which is obviously a key thing. And... Obviously, Nathaniel Chalobah is suspended. Uh, Sam, what lineup changes would you make, obviously, other than the obvious one? Well, I think Don made some very good points there. But the crux of the matter is we don't really know who's available um, because the changes to the team for the Newcastle game surprised me because in his pre-match presser, Marco had said Robinson was the player out. And there have been a few other knocks, but he gave the impression that everyone else was available. So then not to see the likes of Willian and Tete involved in the squads was quite a shock. So I don't know who's going to be available for this game. And obviously there's the added concern with Mitrovic as regards to, was it just a case of a precautionary substitution with him on a yellow card at the weekend? But what does worry me about a lot of these knocks as well is the fact that when that game kicks off on Sunday, we will be 41 days from the World Cup. And we've never had a season like this before. But we've got players who will be going to that World Cup who, for some, it will be a career highlight. And it just really worries me. (laughs) Like, if they have got the odd knock, are they really going to be wanting to take a chance in the same way they, they probably would in a in a routine season. And I'm thinking of sort of the likes of Mitrovic and um, Robinson. Will he want to rush back? Uh, and then I've got, in terms of other players, I think we'll be going to the World Cup, Paulinha, Dan James, uh, Mababu. So I think the, the, the World Cup and the, the teams involved is something to keep an eye on in the coming weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And another Welsh international, uh, you were talking, you obviously spoke about Dan James, but Harry Wilson has been back training and could be back in the folds. Don, do you think there might be a place on the bench for him on Sunday? Yes. Uh, it's kind of a tough one. Again, so, you know, we, we don't know where he stands with his fitness. Um, you, you would hope, though, and I'm sure, like Sam was just mentioning, a lot of these players are really hoping to be in the World Cup squads and everything. Uh, and I'm sure he wants to be, you know, in the squad against the very first game against USA and all that. But... I would hope all these players, regardless of, you know, the World Cup, they're going to remain professional. They're going to understand that, hey, this is the club that I make my bread and butter from. I need to, you know, give this everything to this club. So if Wilson's available, put him on the bench. Maybe he gets a cameo or run out at the end just to show that, hey, I'm back. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And I'm, I'm working towards full match fitness. Um Going back to the lineup real quick, if you start from the back to forward, I, th- I think there's some really interesting choices that are going to have to be made this this game. Okay, so yes, last game was not good. We've got to change things up. So does changing things up mean, hey, let's slot Reem back to the left 
and we go ahead and bring back in uh, Diop. You know, is, is that what you guys are thinking? Uh, and then Tete's still out, so we just stick with uh, Membayu, you know, on the on the right-hand side? It, it depends, doesn't it? Because it, on what system he wants to play, he might choose to play three at the back. If Robinson is available, then obviously there's an option there. Kazawa, we don't know if he's injured. Obviously, he went off injured last week. Um so it will be interesting to see. But against Forest, I thought Ream was excellent at left back. Other than the first goal, it led off to the corner, but he was fouled anyway. I thought uh, I thought everyone was excellent. Yeah, he he absolutely was. He had a great game. So that did night. Diop as well, um, and Diop. I, I think it's yes, and obviously he'll be going back to his former club, and and we'll have a point to prove because West Ham fans didn't seem to be that disappointed to be losing him. Um, so if if Robinson and Kazawa are out, I I think you're right. I, I think we'll see Ream slotting over into the left back position. Diop will come in. What's quite interesting, and it's just dawned on me, is we didn't really get a chance to see it because of the early red card at the weekend. But the potential of Mababu and James down that right, I'm not sure there's ever been a faster right flank in Premier League history. If they're both allowed to get forward and 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 just run at their opponents, especially on a big pitch like there is at London Stadium, they could end up causing havoc. Admittedly, because could could end up causing havoc at our end as well. But that is exactly what I was thinking on Saturday when I saw the lineups. Um, you know, so and obviously Mbappé, he come on against Brentford himself and Kearney changed the game. So obviously it wasn't vintage from him on Saturday, and obviously the Spurs game was tricky uh, for him at left back. You know, I'm not going to jump on that a potential bandwagon of criticising him. Uh, he's still got, you know, he's still got the chance. There's a long season left, and I do quite like him. And all right, he wasn't great against Crawley. Neither was Diop, and Diop was fantastic against Forest. And he that was scary. Been... I, I, yeah. I started to jump in. He was really scary. The minutes leading up to the red card when he made that silly challenge that led to the free kick that gave the first opportunity for uh, Newcastle to possibly score. And Leno made a great save, actually, on that one. So Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I don't really think we can... We should be writing a player off after oh, absolutely three not. minutes of that game. But but also, it's just... Yeah, it, it, this isn't just Fulham fans that this applies to, because all football fans love to have a scapegoat. And it seems like Mbabu is slipping into that mm. into that role. I, and I... Yeah. Tottenham was harsh. He, he came in because of Robinson's injury, playing on an unfamiliar side in an unfamiliar team. Uh, Crawley, I, I don't ever want to hear about that game ever again. <laughs> it's just a disaster. Like No no one came out of that game well. Um, so I feel like we have to give him a chance. And let's, you know, if we, we were going to write off players who started their Fulham careers badly, then we, you know, we wouldn't have enjoyed the likes of Chris Baird or Zoltan Guerra, Bobby Zamora, Mickey Conroy, it's, you know, you have to be patient with players. Absolutely. And do you know what you say about Crawley? And that's the point I was going to make is that actually Diop was terrible against Crawley. Let's have it right. And people were writing him off. And then he came in against Forrest and played really well. And that is probably why I was giving Chalaba the benefit of the doubt going into Saturday. And lo and behold, he let us down. But it is what it is. And we move on and obviously we go, you know, fresh start on Sunday. We go in again and hopefully we've got some players back like the likes of Willian, who was fantastic against Forrest and rumours that he's got a calf injury picked up in a behind closed doors friendly against Watford. 
So we'll see if he's out again on Sunday. We need to stop playing those behind closed doors friendlies. I know. They're nothing yeah, but trouble. We're actually killing off our wingers one by one. It's uh, no wonder we've got six. We're just uh, we're going to need more. I think any f- decent free agent wingers, you know, get in the queue, take a ticket, and wait for your number to be called. I suppose because uh, you'll be needed at some point. Right, lads, I want to get your predictions for Sunday. Uh, Don, going to come to you first. How are you seeing this one going? Like I said, I I, I can't really see why we couldn't get three points. So. I'm I'm hoping uh, that, you know, we come out of the gate, really take the game to them, and that, uh, you know, even though we're away, that, you know, we treat it like we're the better team, which I do believe we are, and we just pound them. You know, I just want to see us from the get-go control the match, start to end, get the three points, get back on the bus and go home. What score are you going for, mate? Uh, you know, we, we'd always seem to let in a goal. So I'm going to go three, one, three, one, certainly take that. Sam, what about you? What's your prediction for the game? Well, I'll say if West Ham put up a, a relatively full strength team in Europe on Thursday, then I feel the game is there for the taking and just providing none of our players are suffering from PTSD, PTSD from that Lookman penalty, um, then they should be able to get the job done on the day. I'll go 2-1. Do you know what? I will back you there. I'll go 2-1 as well. Obviously, you know, we might see Alphonse Ariola in goal. They'll be very surprised as David Moyes likes to go with Fabianski in the league and Ariola in Europe. So uh, it's a shame, but one of those things. So never mind. Right, and that's a good place for us to end, I think. It's a sold-out away end on Sunday, so let's make some noise and get behind the boys. Thanks to Sam and Dom for joining me for this episode, and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to follow Fulham Focus on our socials. We'll be back next week to review the West Ham game, and also look ahead to Saturday the 15th of October as we face Gary O'Neill's Bournemouth at Craven Cottage. We'll see you at the London Stadium on Sunday. Cheers. Fulham.